Carmela, hmm. have you ever had wine from an egg? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, have you ever had an orange wine? I think so, yes. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. how about this? Do you know what regenerative agriculture is? No, but I'm curious. Well, stay tuned and we'll fill you in. <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Wine Pair Podcast. I'm Joe, your sommelier for reasonably priced wine, and this is my wife and wine pairing partner in crime, Carmela. Hi there. And we are the Wine Pair. We are. I have some weird accents. I know what's going on. I don't know. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Let's do it. Okay. For new listeners to our podcast, what we usually do in every episode is taste and review three reasonably priced wines, which means under $20, that you should be able to find easily in your local store or online or or something like that. And sometimes we also have interviews like the one we're having today with Tabitha Compton from Compton Family Wines. Interviews with people involved in the wine business. Mm, I love it. Yeah, and today, guess what? What? We're going to do both. I mean, this, is your mind be is your mind blown? Totally. Right I mean, this, this is there's no better day than this. I know it's the best ever. Right. Okay. So first, we're going to share our conversation with Tabitha, and then we're going to try three wines that we bought from their winery in Philomath, Oregon. Awesome. Philomath. Oh, I got. I said it wrong. Shoot, Joe. Okay, including, and these will be some, we also are including some intriguing and different wines that we think you'll really want to know about. Okay. Right? I'm so excited. So one of them, and I know, and you already know I what am, they are. I'm so excited because I know. I know what, I know they, what are. they are. And so I'm the, excited about the them. The first one is a Chardonnay that is what? It is grown in an egg. <laughs> it's not grown, actually. It's not grown. It is It is fermented in, in an egg. In an egg. In, in an a egg. big, big egg. In a real big concrete Truly. egg. You got to check it out. That's right. And another wine we're going to taste is called a Ramato, which is what? It's an orange wine. It's an orange wine. It's a beautiful orange wine. Not yeah. just any old orange. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris, mm-hmm. but it's orangey. Orangey. Mm-hmm. And the Italian version, because we're Italian, is Ramato. Nice. Okay. And then we're also going to try- of nice. Okay. All right. <laughs> and we're also going to try one of their highly regarded Pinot Noirs. And I love a good mm. Pinot. Uh, I just had- what I do a have, lineup, first of all. What a lineup. Pretty cool. And I do have to say this. I think maybe people care. Maybe they don't care. But I am going to say this because I think it's important. Our reviews are real. We are not paid or compensated for our reviews. We mean it, Tabitha. We, if you want to pay us we for will. Review, you can. You can. But I mean, we, we are not. No. Nobody's paying us right now, okay? <laughs> Shoot. We're begging to be. I no, thought, but these wines were. They, okay, they aren't. No, these wines were not given to us. Mm. We paid for them. Right. We are. So all, of the, all the things that we're doing are real. We're not sponsored. How about that? And I think that's important for us to tell you because we want you to know that we wouldn't have just anybody on our podcast. We really, we went down and we'll talk about it in the interview, but we went down, went to the winery. We didn't know anything about them. We didn't talk to them beforehand. We bought the wines Mm -hmm. and we tasted the wines and we really liked them. And so we wanted, we asked Tabitha if she would be on our show. Can we also just back up for a minute and just say like triple, quadruple star hospitality at Compton Winery? Yeah, they were super nice. I mean, like that, I mean, there was, we just didn't even know what we were in for and totally blew us away. Talk yeah, about, so like mind blown. Basically, they have a really generous wine tasting anyway. It was like they, they offer you like seven wines or something in the tasting. Mm-hmm. I think by the time we walked out, we had had like 14 wines. Right. And we were spending like ample time with the winemaker and the owner. Yeah, I mean, Tabitha just really, she just. It was it was what they do for any customer. Right. It was so, authentic. It yeah, was just exactly. What, exactly what they would do for anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're super excited about this. We think you're going to enjoy uh, the interview. I think you're going to learn a lot. One of the things that we learned from her when we were down there and then learned about more in this interview is their focus on regenerative agriculture, which is something new to us, but it's actually very old. It's the, it goes, it's a step beyond organic. And I think you're going to really find it interesting to hear what regenerative agriculture or regenerative viticulture is. Mm -hmm. We need to get to the interview. But before we do, Carmela, I do need to give out our shameless plug. Okay. Okay. We would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast so you 
you you never have to miss a show. I mean, who would want to miss a show? No, right? never. Mm-mm. And we'd love for you to give us a rating and a review, and we'd love it if you would reach out to us and give us your thoughts or ideas or even, I don't know, give us some recipes. What? How about that? What? Why can't they give us recipes? No, they totally can, but that's just a you new don't one. Get, that's you a don't, new one. I, that's a, I wasn't expecting that. Like I'll to, take it. Okay, I like to throw curveballs. Right, right. Okay, so you can reach out to us via Instagram at the Wine Pair Podcast or on our website at thewinepairpodcast.com. And this week, you know, we always say, here's somebody you should tell about the podcast. So this week, I think you should tell your barista about the podcast. Oh, oh, why the barista? Well, because that person treats you right every morning. True. They are like, this, every morning oh. you go to them and you say, I want this thing, and they make it for so, you, and they hand it to you, and they say, have a nice day, and they're nice to you. So, so do something nice back. Pay it forward. That's right. Pay it forward. Before today. they pay it back. True. What? I don't even know what Wait. that means. Okay. True, I said. True. Yes, and true. Okay, <laughs> so without further ado, let's get on to our conversation with Tabitha Compton. Welcome, Tabitha. We're so happy to have you here today and learn more about you. So I guess we should give information on how we met. Uh, so we were in Corvallis. We were doing a college visit for our youngest son. And we were on a trip with Carmela's cousins, too. They have a son the same age as our son. So we're in Oregon. We need to visit a winery. Right. They gave me the, the job of research. And so I looked around and, and um, I found Compton Family Wines. You all had amazing reviews, a really strong reputation. And so I told the group we should go there. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, let's go. We did. And we had an awesome time. Yes, it was a blast. Yeah. It definitely was a highlight of that uh, couple of nights there. We really enjoyed ourselves. And you were you went way out of your way to just make us feel welcome and um, tasted so many great wines. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you guys visiting us and, yeah. and do doing you, all your research. Good job. Do you remember? Was it a memorable visit? Oh, totally. Well, <laughs> yes. I'm, I love when people want to learn and listen and hear about wine because um, yeah it's my it's my passion labor of love and uh yeah so it's fun to talk about our our wine and our story and when we were there you gave us Carmela said you gave us a lot of wines to taste we you told us some awesome stories so oh hopefully gosh, we'll get yeah. some of those stories today too and then we also bought a lot of wine and we joined your wine list so yeah. we'll tell people a little bit more about that at the end too we are going to get started to asking you some questions and one of the reasons we were so intrigued to have you is that you are a family winery. You are a husband and wife team. We thought it was just super compelling story and really interesting. So my first question is, just tell us a little bit about how you started Compton Family Wines, how you came to be in, uh, I'm not, I'm going to say it wrong, Philomath. No, you did great. Oh my oh, gosh. Nice. Oh my gosh. Okay. Nice. So how you came to be in Philomath and what your inspiration was for starting. My husband and I met on a blind date when we were in college. Well, that's kind of a fun thing to know about us. And we were actually <laughs> wanted to have our winery in downtown Corvallis originally. And then wineries need so much space and square footage. So the more we dug around, we found um, a location in the adjacent. 10 minutes away from Corvallis. That's a small little, when we started looking in 2002, it was a kind of a logging town. And now we're pretty well known for a lot of cool wineries in our area. So um, we were happy and excited to bring kind of some tourism stuff to Philomath. And mm. we're happy we did. We love the vibe, the small town community. And it's, the town has just always been so supportive of us. So it's been a fun journey. And next year is our 20th year in business. So that's, wow. that's fun too. Congrats. Yeah. So we, yeah, thank you. We actually started as Sahaley Wine Cellars. Then we went to Spindrift. And then we also have Theo2, our sparkling wine. And then we have Compton Family Wine. So we have evolved a lot throughout our 20 years. I feel like we're just still growing up. But yeah, this is mm. this is our hopefully our final label. So we've had lots of changes. And yeah, we've been able to learn a lot too. And when you started out in Flomath, was were, were there other wineries around there? Or was it pretty sparse? And has it really kind of filled in since then? Yeah, there were a couple around us there there were but they're on the outskirts we were the main one like in town i think there's about five or six there's actually more wineries in Fulham than there are in corvallis and it's always kind of been that way even and though was, corvallis is a bigger town yeah. yeah and was that harder i mean the fact that you you were sort of a little bit on an island did that make it harder or was that were there advantages or disadvantages to that so i have a pretty cool husband and um he <laughs> he started his kind of journey in winemaking as a vineyard 
grower and he actually got a job working for Oregon State that has a research vineyard. And he didn't get the job because he knew how to grow grapes. He got the job because he knew how to drive a tractor. But he's also a very keen guy. And so he had his own vineyard management company and he got job offers from all over the state. But we, we wanted to stay here just because we knew that it would be, I don't know, it would just be more interesting to us to, I guess, work our way up and not just be settled up in McMinnville, kind of the wine area mm-hmm. up north or even down south. So we knew it was kind of up and coming and we never one for doing things easily. So mm-hmm. we like the challenge. And again, we were just excited to be in kind of the small town. Well, I'm wondering too, was there someone that mentored you or was instrumental in helping you get into the business early on? Well, as I mentioned, my husband had his vineyard management company and then um, started making wine as an amateur. So this uh, vineyard that he worked for, people from all over the Northwest would come and make wines from Oregon State's research vineyard. So they would come and pick their grapes and people from British Columbia all the way down to California would come and collect their grapes, make the wine, and then um, go home and go home and make the wine. So he was an amateur winemaker for a long time and then started making wine professionally. But with our amateur kind of winemaking, there's a lot of guys he had worked with in wine and Scott Robbins was really instrumental. He was one of the first people we actually met out here and gave Matt his first job. He, he, they were just so great. And they actually had been making wine. I can't tell you how many years, but a really long time, but they all kind of saw Matt as having like a special niche. And most of the wines he made were always fantastic. So everybody kind of saw him as kind of up and coming and a a guy to look up to. And even though we feel like we've learned a lot from Scott Robbins, they all seem to we all still work together with them and the kind of the whole winemaking group. And they all look up to Matt now too, which is pretty cool. So cool. Wow. It sounds like you've you've had a lot of support, but you've also been a real like team player too with the other people in your area. That's the one thing I have fun telling people because I just feel like the industry in itself is totally like works together and super team oriented. And I uh, have people that will come into the taste room and say, I was just your competitor. And I'm like, well, I don't feel like it's a competitor because if you're drinking wine, what's good for one is good for all. And they look at me like, oh, and I go, I just really feel like it. If you're in our area, we're just blessed that you're all visiting us. I feel like you're helping to support the industry. So mm. that's my take. Like when it comes to the time to crush, or any, are, are you working together? Is it, or is it still kind of separate? That's a great question. We have our own custom crush facility. So we do make wine, some local and other people kind of have small labels they want to do. But also, yes, to an- simply answer the question, if somebody has an equipment they need help with, vice versa. We all just kind of jump in and help if, if need be. Um, I can't remember what year, but all the fruit came in a really early on and some of the larger wineries needed uh, fermenters. So we'd share and go back and forth. There is some of that, but it's kind of all hands on deck and we're all pretty kind of quiet though too during crush because we, you know, you're in the middle of harvest. So there's a short frame of time with that too. But no, I do think as a whole, the whole industry is super supportive of each other. At least in my mind, they are. What is, what do you think is the hardest thing about being a winemaker? I mean, I, I think people have a feeling that winemaking is sort of glamorous and, but you know, when we were there and talking with you, you were very clear. Nope. We have a farm and I do a lot of farm jobs. And um, what do you think people don't know? And, and what do you find is challenging about the winemaking business? I like to think of our winery just kind of laid back, not pretentious, where I try to make people feel cozy that they want to hang out and stay for a while. And I think <laughs> you guys mentioned that. You, um, yes. <laughs> and customer service is so important to us and our business and our customers and also taking care of our staff members. I mean, if you don't have that, then you really don't have much. So that's all important to me. As far as winemaking, what's the hardest thing or about the whole having a winery? is is wearing so many hats and yes being out in the vineyard and making growing the grapes and stuff honestly that's more my husband's thing but I am also supportive and out there with that too with our um, regenerative farming on our property that we're doing um and you know going all the way to the finished product I I never thought that I would be um you know know so much about bottles and labels and glue that you put the labels on and printing and there's just so much to it but it's it's also fun and when we started I thought oh yeah I'm having a winery It'd be cool to go sell. And then I had three kids and I couldn't go take my kids to the liquor stores and stuff to sell with me and drag them along like I thought I could. So hmm. things have evolved. It's super different, but it's all fun, challenging. And I, I love figuring out like problem solving. I'm teaching my kids that recently, like mm. things, especially on farming, there's problems that have to be solved. So it's just kind of thinking your way around it. I've always kind of been pretty active and I like the challenge of staying busy too. 
Amazing. Well, I know you've mentioned that you have children and I'm curious, you know, are you hoping that your children want to continue in the wine business? Are they interested in it? Well, when they were young, they were totally interested in it and they would stand there by the window and wave and say hello and open the doors to people with people. And I still have longtime customers that remember when I was pregnant and had all these kids. Yes, they used to say a lot that they wanted to be involved in the business, but now they're, they're I'm, I have full teenagers in the house and they all have their own plans. But I see the light. And that was the whole point of us starting the business is to have something to pass down to our kids. So I, I hope so. We are big foodies and we cook with our kids. Our whole family's involved. And I, my youngest has actually started to do his own fermentation. He did oh, not know wow. what he wanted for Christmas. And so he wanted his pop top bottles and heaters for his kombucha, like which was wow. great. He's all into fermentation and they've been, they kind of started making cheese and stuff too. So I hope with all these little things that they do, that they want to, they want to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Tabitha, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned farm to table. You also uh, mentioned uh, regenerative agriculture. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. What is what does that mean in practice? And why do you think it's important? Yeah. So like I mentioned with our kids and fermentation, we, we do kind of live a lifestyle of trying to live off the land. It's more in sync with nature. It's working the ground up to repair, rebuild, and revitalize life. So working with the natural microbiomes in the soil, trying to build up the soil. And by doing that, we have livestock out in the vineyard. Um, So we've got a whole bunch of sheep. I've got some cooney cooney pigs that Mm -hmm. are kind of my pets. Um, mm-hmm. but they also run around the vineyard all year round because they are short legs, they're short legs and short snouts. So they're actually grazing pigs. So they roam around the vineyard and can eat all the different grasses and stuff. By having all the livestock in the vineyard and our, we have chickens and geese too. Having them all roam around there, we're doing the natural fertilization by using their manure um, naturally. And so trying to build up the soil and getting more diverse diversity in the soil is really what you're going for. So it's it's farming back to where farming started is what it essentially is. So the difference between regenerative farming and organic and um, conventional farming is conventional farming uses more synthetics, but they also work up the land and organic doesn't use synthetics, but they do work up the ground and mix up the microbiomes by ripping up the soil and disturbing the soil actually more than even conventional because they, they're not using the, the sprays and such that you would to do the weeding. So, if, but if I have to make a choice of where I'm eating, I buy organic, but I'm, I, but I'm finally seeing more regenerative agriculture on the label. So, which is pretty cool, but it's just kind of a new thing. I, I well, no, it's not. It's, it's a it's old, old new thing, thing that yeah. people are kind of hopefully bringing back and using less equipment. So your tractors aren't making passes as much too. And by doing the regenerative agriculture, excuse me, there's more nutrients in the food that we eat and such too. So we do have some sheep and goats out there in the vineyard too when the fruit isn't growing. And so is it correct to say then regenerative farming is by its nature organic? It's just an extra step. Yeah, it's creating a healthier soil and more diverse, vibrant ecosystem. So getting richer soil that we're not ripping up and getting more things to grow, getting birds to come in that will eat the bugs. But we also think of if the health of the soil is good, then we, the plant are healthier too. And then we don't have to spray and take care of the vines if the soil and everything else is healthy. So that's how we look at it is building up the soil, getting more diversified microbiomes in the soil that are healthier, that the plants will be able to take care of themselves. And then how do you think that impacts your wine? Well, to us, we've always been farmers before and growers before winemakers. And my husband will still say that like the quality of the fruit is really what makes the wine to us. That totally makes sense what you're saying, because at the end of the day, what is wine? It is a food. Mm -hmm. And so the the food is an excellent quality. You're going to have an excellent quality wine Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. coming out of it. And our winemaking style has always been minimal handling and through the vineyard, all the way through the winemaking. Like I said, my husband's been a farmer first and we're big foodies. So we love nice, acidic 
wines, not overly acidic, but balanced that it fills your whole palate that goes well with food. Because I feel like if it's just dry and you don't have the acid, you don't salivate and want more though Mm. too. But we're doing that through a minimal handling and the fruit is being picked at the right time. So the acidity is nice and and such. So that's what we're going for. Yeah. And our our farm to table are, we've got a couple different labels. So we have our old vine collector series, which is our gray label that's actually been around for longer than our garden series label is um, something we just rebranded. We used to be, like I said, we used to be Spindrift sellers. And now in 2020, we we rebranded to Compton Family Wines. And on that label, which I thought would take us three months to rebrand and come up with our packaging, it took us nine months to come up with that final label. But there's a little uh, picture of cherry blossoms and then bachelor buttons. We grew our own flowers for our wedding and a lot of the food for our wedding. So it kind of goes back to that farm to table lifestyle. That's amazing. That is is so amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say too, you, you're speaking our language with the high acid wines. Yeah. Oh, nice. Making me thirsty here. (laughs) And hungry. And hungry. Yeah. You have gotten some good recognition for your wine. So are there any, you want to talk about any of those, some of the accolades you've gotten and any, any stories about them? Um, We won top 100 wines of the world in wine and spirits magazine, wine enthusiasts we've been mentioned in as well and gotten some pretty high ratings. So typically our, our Pinot's rate between 92 and 94 ratings. And and all of those, actually, like I said, when we started, the reviews meant a lot and I would sell quite a bit of wine, but now there's such a, the wine industry is a saturated market. So it's a little bit more difficult to sell. And so I actually, the Prince of Pinot called Pinot Files, he had actually emailed me and said, I love your wines. I'm kind of rejuvenated. I'm super excited about your Oregon wines again, because I tasted your stuff and it was fantastic. So he did a nice article on us and um, has been reviewing our wines and he loved our wines. And then he's like, I'm going to write an article and I'm just going to come out in a couple of weeks. And I kept checking like my emails and such and hmm. or his webpage and it didn't come out. And then finally on a Monday, I got a whole bunch of online orders. Mm. Well, this gentleman has a huge following and a whole bunch of his buddies had called me and were super excited. And so that was really fun because all these other big magazines, wine magazines, I have sold some, but not as much as I had from the Prince of Pinot. So that was pretty cool. He does have a cool following and I still stay in touch with some of those customers. And then one of my really fun honor was a visitor that I had. And have you guys heard of the International Pinot Noir Celebration in McMinnville? It is a really I cool think you, event. You mentioned no, you did this. Mention yeah, this. We did talk about oh, this. Yeah. I did have a funny story about that when you guys were there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, anyways, people come from all over to come to this event. And so you have to send in your wine and then be voted if you are allowed to come in. And they only let people every so often come uh, after every couple of years, each winery is invited. Anyways, we've been participating in that a couple different times. And um, one time a gentleman just showed up from into our tasting room who had traveled for IPNC out of the country. And he came and said, I want to taste your wine. And I'm like, great, where are you from? I always ask people where they're from. I like to hear what's going on with people. And he's like, I am here at IPNC. And I was thinking, wow, I want to hear all the wineries you come to. And he's like, oh, no, I just came to visit you. I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, well, why is that? And he's like, I follow religiously the Wine and Spirits magazine. And you guys have gotten a lot of good press in that. And I came to visit you. That was pretty sweet. And I was honored of that. When when you hear people kind of compare your wines to others, I'm, I'm curious about, do they think this is a typical Oregon Pinot? Is there something different about it? Uh, or is it similar to the Burgundy? Or is there something that some way for people to kind of get a picture in their head of how you create your Pinot? Yeah, a good question. I kind of will tie that back to the regenerative farming and the minimal handling, because what I do hear from people is they think our wines are different because they're not overly worked. Typically our Willamette Valley Pinot is 10 months on French oak. So it's not going to be heavily oaked. And as my grandmother would say, I don't want it to taste like the wine barrel, you know, but Mm. so we're going fruit forward. Oak is a spice and minimal handling with that. We're not over using the oak. So I feel like people do it. You get more of the true essence of what we're pulling off the vines is what we're trying to put into the bottle. And I think it does seem different because I don't find a lot of people that are doing it that way. I feel like, especially in Pinot Noirs, they're overworked more than anything. Okay. So we're going to put you on the spot a bit. We have a few of your wines that we're going to try today. And um, we just want you to tell us a little bit about what Ramado is and why the concrete egg is so cool, which we got to see when we were there. So Ramado is typically a wine made 
made with Pinot Gris that is fermented on the skins. So our Ramado is a Pinot Gris that we put into our concrete egg. As you mentioned, we're having a lot of fun with the concrete eggs. So they've been making wine in concrete ever since they started making wine kind of in rectangular vats. But the concrete egg, so it looks like an egg. And our concrete egg holds about 275 cases, but it's porous. So really thick walls. So And some people think there's a liner, but there's not. It's just being really thick, porous walls. And so when the wine goes in there, it naturally circulates through fermentation, which is interesting that it keeps moving through fermentation. And so that you get more of that skin contact too. And then we take it out of the egg and put it on a little bit of oak for a bit. I like it. It's just a bit more Pinot Gris to me is... I like Pinot Gris, but it's not that interesting, honestly, in my opinion. I love it, but I I like actually Pinot Blanc is one of my favorite white wines. It's just a little bit more interesting to me, has a little bit more complexity to P- than Pinot Gris. So I like that we do this just to have something different with Pinot Gris, but I also like the acidity that you get from it by having the, um, and the tannins from the skin contact. Okay. So why is it shaped like an egg? I think I might've mentioned it. So the egg shape, the wine, when it comes in there and naturally <laughs> circulates in the egg. So mm-hmm. as it circulates, it gives more of that complexity as the wines moving through fermentation too. So we actually do an all concrete egg Chardonnay. I'm not a big Chardonnay fan, but the Chardonnay is really lovely because it kind of gives off a natural creaminess because the lees, which is the sediment and the wine settles down the side of the egg. And we leave the Chardonnay in there all the way till we end up bottling it. So not an oaked Chardonnay at all. You're bringing us back to that day. I remember the Pinot Blanc and the Chardonnay. I remember all this. It was all delicious. We, yeah, when you guys were there, we tasted from the concrete egg, I believe. I pulled some of the Chardonnay out and then compared it to the bottle. Like I said, with people are fun and excited about wine, I get excited and like to share extra little tidbits too. So that was cool. So again, I just feel like with the concrete egg, it's more of a natural way of winemaking because if we were to make the Pinot Gris on its own, we put it, we put it into the tanks and that's cold chill stabilized. So the, because the egg is so thick, it also naturally keeps it cool. So we're not forcing it to stay cool. Well, we'll have um, pictures on our Instagram for people to see the concrete egg. Yes. It really is a big concrete egg. egg. It's super cool. (laughs) Before we finish this out, we want to make sure that people know how to get a hold of you and find Compton Family Wines. So how can they find out more about Compton Family Wines? How can they order them? How can they reach out to you, follow you, et cetera? Nice. Yeah. Our website is ComptonWines with an S.com. And then we are are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, So Instagram, Compton Family Wines. Facebook is Compton Wine. And even on our website, I think um, I'm pretty accessible in there. You have my email and maybe even a phone number to directly contact me. And ever since COVID, even when people call, they are surprised that I answer the phone because I have all the calls forwarded to me. So I'm accessible. I don't want to miss a conversation with anybody about wine. And then people can order your wines online and they can also uh, join your wine club, right? Yeah, we do have a wine club and you guys are in Seattle. So our one of our best distributors is up in that area too. So you should be able to find our wines up there. We've been kegging wines for a long time. And so there's a lot of restaurants up there that have our wine on tap. For. So that's something we started a long time ago because we were frustrated with not such great quality glass pour wine. So we do a, a keg wine that's more affordable so restaurants can have a nice quality wine and save money and not have to deal with the packaging. Well, Tabitha, thank you so much. We had such a good time that talking so to you. so fun. So informative. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me the time and it was fun talking with you guys. And I, I loved meeting you all. And we have one other thing that we just want to mention. We have Sunday night dinner. Uh, it's a big family thing that we do. Italian food, Italian wine. Although, you know, we did a Pinot last weekend. So you and your family, anytime you're in Seattle, you are invited to Sunday night dinner. Yes. You just Ooh, let us nice. know and we would cool. love to have you. Oh, speaking of, I'm at a wine dinner on Baybridge Island beginning of June. Heyday Farm. So that'd be a fun way to meet us too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We will have links and all sorts of stuff in our show notes so people can see that. And we just want to thank you so much again for taking the time of being with us. And we hope we'll see you on Sunday night dinner soon. And we hope we see you down at your winery soon too. Yeah, Love it. Thanks for the invite. Thank you, thank you so much. Right. Thank you. 
Well, that was really fun and really insightful, mm, Carmela. That was and so fun. I know. And now I'm I'm really excited to try or retry some of the wines that we talked about and that we bought when we were at the winery. Are you I'm ready? So excited. Yes. Okay. Brings so back great memories. I know. And we have again. What we have is we have a Chardonnay. Can you believe it? We have a Chardonnay. Wow. But this Chardonnay is aged in the concrete egg, so it doesn't have any oak. And we'll also have the Ramado or the Pinot Gris, which is the orange wine. And we're also going to have one of their Pinot Noir. So I am. Um, I think we're going to get right down to it. Okay. All right. So our first wine is the Compton Concrete Egg Chardonnay. And I will say all so of... So cool. I know. And all of their bottles are screw caps. Mm, see how easy that is, We too? love that. We yes. love that. And, love that. And I noticed this. I didn't really... I don't know why I didn't notice it before, but they're on their label. It actually has a little picture, of like a little drawing egg. of the concrete egg. I know. Egg. It's so weird. It is kind of a weird thing when you go in there and you see the egg. You're it was like, weird. What? We weren't ready for that. No, no. no. And I mean, we, we sat right by it and we actually tasted some right out of the yeah, egg. Yeah, that was super Fresh cool. from the egg. That's what I mean. They were... Tabitha was just so willing to share and I mean, she was so proud and uh, it was just such an experience. Yeah, it was super fun. Okay, so this is... This wine is from Oregon from the Willamette Valley. Uh, again, obviously, it's Compton Family Wines. This is a 2018. Now, this is normally priced $25. It was $18.75 at the Winery Club discount. So, you know, reasonably mm-hmm. priced. Mm-hmm. And again, if you want to find it, but really, you're probably going to have to go to the website. Uh, this Or is, straight to the winery. Or or drive to the winery mm-hmm. right outside of Corvallis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 13.5% alcohol. It's 100% Chardonnay. So yeah. let's get to it. What are, you sh- what are you smelling? Well, what do you got on your nose? Okay. So right off the bat, it's, it's, I'm getting a little bit of a, like a can, you say cotton candy. I'm mm-hmm. kind of getting a little bit of a cotton candy kind of smell. Okay. But I'm also getting a little bit of citrus and some apple. I think. I'm getting apple, I think, too. Maybe even a little pear. Mm-hmm. It's a little yeah. less tart pear. smelling uh, to me. But do you get a little bit of a little bit of citrus on there? Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. It's got almost got, you know. It's interesting when it's an unoaked Chardonnay. To me, it reminds me a little bit of a Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. Like it has a little bit also of that kind of pineapple-y uh, kind I of smell. I think so too. I was going to say something. There's that little bit of acidity. Tropical yeah. fruit kind of smell to yes, it. Yes. Something like a fruit that you'd get in Hawaii. You know what I mean? And this would probably be really nice to drink in Hawaii. I think it Let's would find too. Out. A little bit of fish. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's really nice. It's so nice. It's really light. It's not oaky at all. You it's can not. really tell the difference. Yeah, because they don't oak it. And no, it, and that's it, what I mean. Like it, you can really tell the difference that it's not that it's in this concrete egg. Yeah, and one of the things that Tabitha talked about is the they like their wines to be highly acidic, and you can you can really get that. Like it makes your mouth water. Mm-hmm. It's got a really nice firm acidity to it, and it's going to go really well with food. Mm-hmm. Really balance it out, I think. Mm. And she does talk about the concrete egg giving it a little bit of like butteriness or creaminess. I can taste a little like it's got a little creamy mm-hmm. mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I don't know if this is because it's in my head, but I can taste like flint or you know stone. Like something, mm-hmm. something stone or rocky, like you licked. A, and this is not an atypical taste. Like no. this is something that you have in white wines where it's almost like you, you, you licked a stone. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it's kind of like that clean taste. Totally or something. clean. It just feels, you know, it comes off a little bit differently. And I think that concrete egg makes a lot of difference mm-hmm. with that too. I agree, Carmela. And I am tasting like pineapple. I'm tasting a little bit of pear, but it's pear or like tart apple, like maybe more of like a tart apple, like a Granny Smith. Mm-hmm. Don't you have a little bit more like Granny Smith? But what like Granny Smith, if it was, if you wiped a little lemon on it, mm-hmm. are you with me? Right. Sometimes you do that to apples because you don't want them to turn brown. Okay. Do you know my mom used to do that? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know. I know. And you know what else she used I to do? I too. I think she made this up. She used to dip it like in 7-Up. <laughs> that I don't was because know what she was that, like, yeah. There's supposed to be lemon. I don't know. But, I don't yeah. know. What would you pair this wine with? Oh, I think it would be really nice with any type of white fish. Any type of fish, really. Shellfish. Grilled shrimp. Yes, grilled prawn, grilled shrimp. Delicious. And I think mm. also spicy foods. I think it would go really well with spicy mm-hmm. foods, like Asian foods, spicy Asian foods or Indian foods. Mm-hmm. I think it would taste Mexican really nice. Mm-hmm. 
It would mm, taste really nice. Really nice. This yeah. is delicious. Well, because I normally don't love Chardonnay because I don't love oak Chardonnays. I really like this because it doesn't have the oak on it, Mm-mm. but it still has some creaminess to it. You get that bright fruit taste in I it. I wonder what like true blue Chardonnay drinkers would feel about this or what they would, well, you know, like if it would throw them off or is it that, you know, different to them? I think it depends. I think people who really like oaky Chardonnay might not like this as much, mm-hmm. but I think people who like a Sauvignon Blanc or who like a Chablis or a Pinot Grigio or something. I mean, it is bright. It is a bright wine. Yes, it is. I will say, like, the more I'm tasting it, no. It's not. It's it's clean. It's delicious. Yeah, the more I'm tasting it, the more citrus I'm getting, too. Mm. It's very bright. Mm -hmm. It's a bright... I don't know how to... Fresh. Yeah, I don't know a better way to describe it than, like, in the mouth it tastes bright, Mm -hmm. which is a weird thing to say, but but that's what I'm getting. Yeah. So, Carmela, what rating would you give this wine? I think I'm I mean, I could give this a really, a really solid, like a nine. I'd say. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm happy with this. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm like teetering between a seven and an eight. Mm. And the only reason why is I, I, I don't tend to be a Chardonnay like lover, lover. Mm-hmm. But I am. T- but have you ever given a Chardonnay a rating like that? Well, a Chablis. I do right, like a Chablis. Right. Mm-hmm. I like a Chablis. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with an eight because mm-hmm. I think this is a wine that I would buy, and I think um, well, we bought it. We did, <laughs> and and we did buy it. But I think it would also be, you know, a lot of times we talk about a crowd pleaser. This would be a I I, I think it's a crowd pleaser. Well, and it's such a conversation wine too. Yeah, just to be able to talk, like somebody's looking at it or tasting it and feeling like it's a little bit different than the that they would imagine for a Chardonnay. Yeah, what a cool thing to talk about. I think that's what is so clever about what they've done with this egg. Yeah, and when you see our Instagram, we will have pictures of the egg, and we'll also have pictures of the label on the bottle, which has the image of the concrete egg, which is kind of fun. So you can talk about it. Mm. it looks a little bit like a spaceship. Okay, I kind well, of wanted to. Get Get inside it. Oh, is that weird? A little bit. Well, I mean, I just, not that the door was far too small, but I mean. Is it because it was filled with wine and that's why you wanted to get inside well, of it? Well, I mean, it's not a bad idea, you no. know, but but it just looked like something you would get inside. Worst ways to die. But just <laughs> say, it just was a Do you cool think it would thing. echo if you were in there? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's ask her. <laughs> no, we're going to find out. Okay. We're going to put you in the egg. Wow. Okay. That's frightening. We're going to take a pause. We're going to put Carmela in the egg and we're going to try our <laughs> next one. We'll let you know. If, yep. I, if I come back, you know I survived. There you go. Okay, we are back and we are going to try our second wine. This is from their garden series. This is the Red Pinot Gris. They call it a Ramato. And mm. I will be honest, when we went there, I was like, I don't know what the hell a Ramato is. Mm. I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I said, is it like an orange wine? And she was like, yeah, it's an orange wine. So, how did, what you, is, how did you know? Is it like an orange wine? Well, because you would say it's a rose if it's a rose. And I should have known Ramato because it's an Italian word and right. this is an right, Italian right, thing. Right. But r- orange wine, so the difference between a, a rose and an orange wine mm-hmm. is basically the amount of time that it spends on the skin. Mm-hmm. So a rosé wine is usually 24 hours or less. Ramato can be up to five days. Makes sense. When you see it, it really makes sense. Yeah, and what's always interesting is like a Pinot Grigio, we, we see it as a white wine, but the grape is red. Mm, and of so, course, right? Yeah. So the skin is red and that's what gives the wine its so color. So interesting. Yeah. That's where like winemaking is like amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so this one is uh, from Oregon. It's from Philomath. 2019. It's a, that's the year. Mm-hmm. This is normally $20, so right in our price range, but we got it at $15 because we are part of the wine club. I just think it's funny you said that's the year. <laughs> What, 2019? Like as if somebody's going to say, oh, no, it's $20.19. No. (laughs) Wow. That's over. That's over. It's 19 cents over. All right. That's enough. Okay. That's enough. I just, I shouldn't be so, you know, critical. And uh, if you want to find this wine, you go directly to the website, go to Compton Family Wines. This is only 12% alcohol, so Mm. it's it's low alcohol. And again, Pinot Gris. uh, It's a beautiful bottle. It, it is, is a really so pr- pretty. It's clear and uh, there's gorgeous like. Remember, she said they? these are the flowers they grow oh, on their farm, and they were in oh, her wedding. Remember? Right, right. That's that is such a cool thing. It, it just and everything about of, it is the, beautiful. Well, it's again, beautiful. we'll have yeah, we'll have pictures of this on our Instagram. But the the color of the wine is very beautiful too. Oh, it is. It is, and it's so interesting. What are you smelling? Because like right out of the gate, you know what I smell? Hmm. Well, I smell like earth. I kind of smell earth. Okay, I get that. Do you get that? But also it's like I can smell the skin. Oh, that's interesting. Like grape skins. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting. I don't know. For some reason. I feel like I'm getting um, 
a little bit of watermelon. I feel like I'm getting oh, a little wow. bit of strawberry, mm-hmm. maybe even a little bit of like a cranberry or something. Yeah, I, no, I just don't think it's as sweet as a strawberry. I think the cranberry is a good descriptor for it. Maybe some tartness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also has a little bit of flour. Don't you smell a little bit like flowers? A little bit, a little bit. I'm still getting like a little bit of soil or dirt. No, not or- perfumey. You don't have any perfumey kind of smell to it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a little bit. But I'm getting perfume, like a potpourri kind of smell. Something hmm, okay. like fl- floral or like, you know, like a floral spray, like the sprays, oh, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just a little bit. It's a nice, it smells nice. Yeah. Very it's a nice. great smell. Yeah. And but again, the color is just beautiful. It's kind of interesting though, because for me, it kind of smells like it looks. Oh, that is interesting. I don't know why, but it, it almost, you know, it's kind of a dirty rose. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> dirty rose, like you dirty, dirty rose. Yeah, dirty. But you know, like, it's not quite as i mean it's we know it's a pinot gris but it, it's got that definite orange look now you're making me smell orange i honestly feel like i'm smelling a little bit of orange but anyway i i also do smell a little bit of light and i it is a little oak i almost feel like i am smelling a little bit of vanilla mm. or or some sort of baking spice or something baking it's a little bit spicy yeah there's a little bit of spice on it so let's taste it oh i'm getting Berries, like like tart red berries, like a raspberry. Are you getting a? I'm getting a tart, like a raspberry. Mm. Like a tart berry. Uh, yeah, and I, I think like an so. underripe berry. Nice. Oh like it's yes, nice. yeah. I can see that. I can definitely taste that. Mm. I'm really tasting that. It's really this combination to me, though. This is going to be weird, but a red wine and white wine taste. Yeah. A combination. It's pretty crisp. Mm-hmm. Like, it's delicious. Like, I would say both this wine and the wine before, there's, I was saying they're like bright. Mm-hmm. There is something really bright. I think it's the acidity. She talked about the acidity. I think there's a lot of acidity in these wines. Mm. So what would, you, what would you eat? I would eat, boy, I'm not, I, you know, I think it could go with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like it's a little bit more of a charcuterie, like a pre-dinner oh, wine. Yeah. I mean, you know what this would go well with? Hmm. I think this would go well with like a turkey, like a, oh. a really light mm. white meat. Mm-hmm. I'm almost a little bit afraid because it's so bright, but also has this really berry flavor that it might overwhelm like a soft fish, like a, a, yeah, like a I, too I'm light of a you. fish. Mm-hmm. Maybe with a salmon though. Like what would you think with like a grilled salmon? Uh- more so than just like a flaky white fish, I think. But I think like white meats, actually, you're right. Even like pork or... You know what I was thinking is, but, and maybe this is too typical, but like Thanksgiving dinner. It would be really nice. Really good. Mm-hmm, really like nice. With It looks like fall, too. Mm-hmm. Just something about it is a... Be- I mean, it is a beautiful bottle, beautiful color, and it does look like fall. I could see it for Thanksgiving for sure. You know what? It's kind of got a little bit to me in the flavor as I keep tasting it. A little bit of tea, Mm, a little bit of tea, like an herbal, but also just like an herbal tea. And a touch of citrus, like lemon. Uh, what rating would you give this wine? I think that I'm leaning towards like a pretty solid eight. Yeah. You know, I think I'm the same. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of debating because I like the wine. Obviously, I bought it. Mm-hmm. I like the wine. I feel like it's an occasion wine, like a wine that you have for certain occasions. Like mm-hmm. to me, you want to show off to a friend, you have this wine. Right. I Thanksgiving agree. dinner, you're having a... A dinner party or appetizer, whatever. You're having a bunch of people over and you want to start them off with a really cool wine. Like, I think this is right, it. Right, right. I do think these wines are definitely, like, impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, both of them. I mean, just the way they look and the way they taste, they're something to talk about, too. Yeah. They're definitely more than just the wine. Like, yeah. they are, they're kind of an experience. So, I'm with you on that. This would be a great gift wine, too. Ooh, really good so gift wine. So great. And so unique. pretty, unique. They're there's a, you know, like everything about it is just a little show stopping in some ways. It's pretty cool. Mm. I like it. So I'm giving it an eight as well. Okay. You know, to me, again, to me, this is more of a special occasion kind of wine. I think mm-hmm. a fantastic fall wine. Just- the other thing I would say about it is. You know, if you haven't tried an orange wine, you should try an orange wine, like whether it's this wine or some other orange wine. They're not made of oranges. It's about the color of the wine and the amount of time it spends on the skin. I think it's something you you should try. Right. And also, again, it's that experience. If you're like having another couple over or you're hanging out with friends and you're like, hey, let's try this, something we don't normally drink. It'd be fun. It's kind of a little bit of an adventure. I agree. Okay. We're going to take another pause and we're going to clean out our glasses and we're going to try the last wine. Okay, we are back and we are ready for our last Compton wine. This is the 
Compton Pinot Noir Llewellyn Cuvée. So they have several Pinot Noirs. This is the Llewellyn Cuvée. Uh, this is also Willamette Valley. Um, and this is a 2016, which I thought was really interesting. So what they do is they release their wines after several years. They put it on French oak for about 18 months. But what I thought was interesting is this was the latest version, and it was a 2016, you know, so it's it's wow. an older wine, mm-hmm. which I like because that means it's really ready to drink. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times I see this all the time. People are opening up wines, and they're too young. I really like that they release these wines after several years. I think that that's really smart, and hmm. it does help with the really get the taste of the wine. Um, This one is $34, so it's a little bit wow. high. I know, but but no. on the winery club, when I went through the wine club, it was Twenty five fifty, mm. so it's pretty close. Yeah. And I think for the quality of their wines, it's not. I mean, Oregon wines can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. Oregon Pinots, I mean, can be very expensive. And so for the quality of this wine, I don't think that's very expensive. Again, go to the website. This is thirteen point eight percent alcohol, so it's on the higher end. Uh, Pinot, one hundred percent Pinot Noir, and it has actually received some high ratings. So what are you smelling? Well, no, I'm getting that kind of Twizzlery red viney smell. Totally, I'm definitely getting that. You really need to swirl it because mm-hmm. it does really bring out the flavor. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I agree. I think Twizzler, cherry, mm-hmm. cherry licorice, cherry nibs, like this to me is kind of a classic Pinot, uh, particularly like Oregon Pinot, not as deep. Like sometimes with the Pinots, like California Pinots, you get almost a cherry, like a Cabernet smell. Right. This right. one has a definitely like a nice cherry. This is the kind of smell I like. This yes. tart cherry mm-hmm. or sour cherry or some s- sort of sweet cherry smell. I also also smell a little bit of a little bit of smoke. I was just gonna say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you were going to say that because yeah. I am getting a little smoke on it too. A little bit of smoke and maybe a little bit of like a tobacco-y mm-hmm. kind of, you know. I mean, there's a little, it's a, sometimes with those, like a pipe that somebody would smoke yes. has a little bit of a sweetness, like a little. Ooh, pipe tobacco yeah, is a good one. A I like that. different. You know, I'm remembering my Uncle Roy. I'm not kidding. My Uncle right, Roy. No, I know. Who used to smoke a pipe and mm-hmm. I love that smell and he used, to be, he used to let me when I was a little kid Stuff sit on his lap. No, I would sit on his lap and he'd let me blow out the, the oh, match oh. and I thought he was the coolest guy ever. Isn't that nice? Yeah, the and I remember you have of people smoking around you. I know, but you know what? I really like the smell. I have to. Yeah, admit, no, it is. I it like has a little smell. bit of a sweeter smell than just like a tobacco. My grandfather, my great grandfather, did the same thing, and he. I remember him packing his his pipe, and that that fresh smell of that tobacco, tobacco is kind of what this smells like. Okay, so I cheated and I tasted it. Wow, cheater! I just really like their wines. Are really you know. This is going to sound dorky, austere. They're super acid, which is a good thing. It's got a sharpness to it. It's good with food. Right. But it's also got a really bright cherry yeah. flavor. What, no, do, what do you taste? No, it's it's actually really... Well, we love Pinots. So this is kind of hitting the marks, I feel like, for what we like. I mean, it has a little bit of a... I actually feel like there's a little bit of youthfulness. Oh, no. I was going to say the exact same yeah, thing. Little, I, I mean, this is a 2016. Mm-hmm. I think this could sit for five more years Easy. Wow. Easy. And really kind of like come out and blossom. Right. It almost like the edges might be a little bit Mm -hmm. smoother Mm -hmm. on it, but... Uh, but no, it's really nice. And you're right, with food, this actually would be would partner so well. I think you nailed it, Carmel. I think wines, some wines do need to age. And I think this wine, like a lot of Pinots, Barolos, Cabernets, they need to age. Mm-hmm. We're drinking them too young. We're not really getting the full flavor. You know, this is young. This is a young wine. It's got a lot of brightness left on it. And that's not a bad thing at all. Like for what it is right now, it's great. I think in five or 10 years, it's going to be, like I've said this before about some Barbara that are like 10 years old where you just kind of want to give them a hug like you just kind of love them Whoa. I know I know I think you do feel that way about your wines though just oh. in general like give it up what food would you pair with this wine um I think it could stand up to a lot I think it would pair well like a burger or grilled uh, red meat grilled yeah yeah Not and also I, barbecue so I think this would actually do really nicely with the barbecue because the acidity would. is so nice on it this is another crowd pleaser you know totally. this is one of those times that I wish that my tolerance was like 
like that of a you know giant because I could just drink these wines all night. All three of them though. Yeah. Like I wish dangerous. I could just keep. This is what right, you would call right. a dangerous this is wine. A, this is what happened to us when we visited Compton. We yeah, enjoyed, but at least we were there for like five hours. Right, but we enjoyed ourselves so much because everything was really nice. And then what happened? But oh yeah, then we signed up for the club. We bought a lot of wine. I bought a case of wine. Yeah, like it was just it was of easy course. to do. By yeah. that point, it was like we're we're in. Exactly. We're in. We've had the best time. We've and that's how I feel about these wines. Is that if I could just if there were more hours in the day, I could just sit here and drink all day. We might just do that. So <laughs> that would what, be a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. What what uh, rating are you going to give this wine? I'm going to give this one. I mean, again, like I love Pinots. Like I'm not a huge red wine drinker, but I'm gonna I'm kind of teeter tottering between like I mean a very solid eight. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it could be. I mean, even I, this is something I could drink. Maybe even a nine. Yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight. I think in five years I might give it a nine mm-hmm. or more. Mm-hmm. I, I think it right now it's an eight. It's a great wine. It's, a great it's an wine. excellent wine. It's a. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna drink it. But I think it needs to sit and mellow out. But it's a great wine, and I think I'm serious. In about five or ten years, it'd be a nine, easy. So which of these wines are you finishing tonight? That's Carmen? what I mean. This is tough. So which one? I could. You know what? Mm. I think I'm going to go back to the Chardonnay. Okay, nice. I think I am. Chardonnay so you can Shea have the... right now is super happy with you. Wow, shout out. <laughs> 22 years too. I yeah, well, you know which one I'm going to go with. Yeah. Oh, I'm for sure the, the Pinot. Yeah, but I could go with any of them. I'm super yeah, I, happy. Yeah, that's how them. I feel tonight. Like I said, can we just do this for the next 12 hours? We can. Okay. Okay, so let's do the taste profiles expected from, first of all, a Chardonnay. You ready? Okay. This is from their website. Perfumed nose of citron, so that's citrusy, right? Mm -hmm. White flowers and vanilla. Balanced acidity, juicy fruit, delicate stone fruit, white peaches and white nectarines. A classic Chablis, which is an unoaked Chardonnay. Quince, so that's apple, pear, and citrus. We definitely got Mm -hmm. that. Star fruit, which is a sweet, sour flavor like ripe pear or green grape or orange. Lime peel, white blossom chalk. I think we got a lot of that. We did really well. Yes. A red Pinot Gris, so a Ramato, so a, you know, a orange wine. From the website, they say, rush of crushed raspberry, pomegranate, berry leaves, and a hint of iron. A blend of fruit, citrus, and orange peel. And then the classic Pinot Gris Ramato. Orchard fruit skin. You were definitely saying skin, right? Yes, I was. Acacia flowers. I said flowers, Mm -hmm. right? Peach, Mm -hmm. baking spice aromas, dried fruit, tropical fruit, and herbs. And then on the palate, dried fruit with stone fruit skins and spice. So we were getting some of that. Baking spices. For sure. Yeah. How did we do with the fruits? Well, we had you out of the gate were saying watermelon and strawberry, but then you pulled in and said that tart red raspberry yeah. is coming through. Um, you had cranberry. You know, I think I was I was tasting pomegranate, but I did not ah, say that. I don't really know pomegranate, but you do. So yeah. you, you bring that but one But it does up. have that tartness that you would find in that wine. And they did say berry leaves. So I was definitely, there's some berry, right? Definitely For getting. sure. Right, right? Yeah. Okay. And then the Pinot Noir, reviewers of this wine have said aromas of cherry, Spice cake and fertile earth. Mm. I think you had earth, <gasps> wow, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, ex- P- the Prince of Pinot said exuberant cherry dominates the fruit profile. Mm-hmm. So we got that. What, mm-hmm. um, spice, earth, and bitter herb, as an accent core of tart wild raspberry okay. from the wine enthusiast. We definitely got that. A classic Pinot Noir is cherry, raspberry, clove, mushroom, vanilla. Oregon Pinot Noir tends to be cranberry, earth, tea, cherries, plum, strawberry, and raspberry. Okay. Okay. So I think we did okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And uh, as usual on the website, um, we have show notes and links and all sorts of fun stuff. All right. Well, that was awesome. That was so much fun. I mean, I can't wait to go back. I'm ready. Any day. I agree. Okay, so for those of you listening, we would, again, love for you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd love for you to give us a rating and a review so others know how much you like it and they'll come and listen to it. And we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you like, what you don't like. Um, Tell us some wines you want to try. Tell us if you want to be a guest or just tell us about a wine you love or hate and we'll talk about it. Right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Visit our website at thewinepairpodcast.com. You can find our show notes there. You can comment or reach out to us there. You can also reach out to us and follow us on Instagram. Instagram at the Wine Pair Podcast, and also on Twitter at Wine Pair Podcast. Wow. I know, I've been doing You're a lot on Twitter, and nobody's following here. me. I don't okay, know. What it's, okay, what's going on? And you can also reach out to us at joe at thewinepairpodcast.com, and we would love to hear your comments, and we hope you tell your friends and your family and your enemies and your loved ones and your barista, barista about the Wine Pair Podcast. Mm. All right. Thank you for listening. 
And we'll see you next time. And as we like to say, life is short. So stop drinking shitty wine. Bye-bye. Bye. In the ocean of my prognostication